Welcome to the Well Community Jokes. I go to church when I need need help and need someone to to listen to me. Oh, I've always gone to church since I was a kid. Um, to get into the week. I don't go to church. <laughs> Just to fellowship with other people in the same lane as you. Uh, community is a big part of it. I like I like kind of what it stands for in the sense of the community and kind of what it brings. Even though I'm not a Christian, but I go to church every week because I. I just love to be with people there because everyone's so caring about each, each other. So tonight we're answering the question, what about the church? And I love our church. Saturdays for me are always the highlight of the week. They uh, are what kind of get me through. It's my focal point. I enjoy just uh, getting together to, to be with, with you guys. And, and the highlight for me throughout this Alpha series is that we actually get to sit around tables and discuss and build friendships and go deeper and, and kind of take what we're talking about and figure out how do we apply this to our lives and how have you done this before in the past? And I just love everything about what God has been doing here, building his church. And I'm excited to see you guys. And I know there's some weeks that you guys aren't able to make it. And I miss you guys, and I, I don't say that in a way to make you feel bad or guilty because it's life, it's a Saturday evening church service, but uh, I say that because I, I, I'm excited to actually get together, and when people are unable to make it, I'm like, man, they're, they're part of my week, and I, I missed out on connecting with them. And over this last year and a half, maybe a bit more for, for some of those who joined us in the living room days... We've really gotten to know each other well. We, we've gone deeper with one another, and friendships are forming. That, that's essentially what, what's, what's happening, and, and I hope at least that you feel the same, because I, I consider you guys my friends. But if I'm honest, when I first began church planting or even considering the thought of church planting, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know who was going to sit around the table. I didn't know what God was going to bring together. And I don't know what you expected either when you walked in on a Saturday evening to a gym that was dressed up like a church service. But what we've been experiencing together is what it means to be church. And this right here, what God's been doing, this is why I love church. And again, this is something that's changed for me. I'm just trying to think how honest I want to be, but uh, there's, a, there's a thing with church planters that often we plant a church out of frustrations or reacting to something that we don't necessarily agree with or appreciate. And that was me when I first started the church planting journey was I was frustrated with things I've experienced in the church, with hurts that I've had from the church. But I remember the, the guy leading this church plant design shop telling me, he's like, it's okay to let that drive you into this, but you can't stay there if you want to actually sustain yourself as a church planter. But one of the first things growing up in a Christian home that 
I associated with church was, this is boring. It's just like snooze fest. Um, I used to get origami books from the library. My kids use YouTube nowadays, uh, but I used to take church bulletins, and I was good. I, I could make a bird and a box and a rose and a water balloon. Um, I just, that was my Sunday morning church experience. And I came across something that Abraham Lincoln once said, and I somewhat have sympathy with this. He said, if all the people who fell asleep on a, on, in church on Sunday morning were laid out end to end, they would be a great deal more comfortable. <laughs> and there was this lady at our, at our last church. Now, she put in her time. She was in her 90s. Uh, she, uh, she made an effort to be at church every Sunday. But as soon as you'd go up to preach, her head was just back and she was just out cold. But she was the sweetest lady. But the second association I had with church was buildings. And one of the reasons I was afraid to church plant is because of the lack of building. Like, where are we going to meet? What does this look like? How does it all come together? And of course, there's beautiful church buildings, but for the first 300 years of the church's life, there were no buildings. So that can't be what church is all about. That's not the essence of church. And it's a bit like if I say, well, what's marriage? And you could say, well, it's a ring, it's a marriage certificate, it's uh, the ceremony, the service that you have. But that's not the essence of marriage. At the heart of it, it's something much more profound. And at the heart of the church is something far more amazing and beautiful and wonderful. And I've come not just to like the church, but I love the church. And there's so much to say about the church and this is just the beginning of an introduction. It's like dipping your toe in water. So tonight, it's not a theology of the church. It's not even an introduction to a theology of the church, but it's just a taste. But my encouragement to you is to get involved and then take a lifetime to discover the beauty, the wonder, and all the glory of the church of Jesus Christ. So by way of introduction to the church, I want to take a look at some words, and you can follow along in the handouts on your table there. But these are words which I now associate with church. And they explain why I love the church. And the first is that church is friends. In John's gospel, Jesus says, you are my friends. I call you my friends. That's amazing to be a friend of Jesus. We're not, we're not just called to be his friend as well, but we're also called into friendship with one another. That's kind of part of our whole vision, that connect piece, to connect with God, to connect with one another. And over the years, I've, I've been in churches, both large and small, and, and the large ones were just over 1,000, and the small ones, well, right here. Uh, but also, there was a church I was at that was around 200 people, and I, I would always call it small, and they were upset by that. But what I meant was that coming from a church of 1,000 to a church of 200, suddenly I could remember people's names. I knew who their kids were and their relatives were and their friends. Because what I've discovered time and time and time again, it doesn't matter the size of church. It's about connecting with one another. It's about relationships. It's about friendship. And then it, in turn... It's helping one another to connect with Jesus. 
again, in this last church that I was at, this was the church of about 200 people, there was a couple that showed up. And they'd been coming for about a month, and I would see them come in right as the service started and take off as soon as the service ended. So I thought that at the end of each service, I would try and beat them to the back door so I could say hi to them. And they always beat me out the door. Then one, one week, they, they decided to stop into the church office, and they were saying, we've been coming here for a while, we love what's going on, but we just can't connect with anyone. And my lead pastor at the time, I was just the youth pastor, he challenged them and said, well, you know what? You guys come right at the last minute. You leave right away. He's like, for the next month, stay for 15 minutes after the service. So they took him up on the challenge. And by staying for those 15 minutes, they began building friendships. They began connecting with people. And they made these deep, meaningful relationships that last to this very day. And there's something amazing about friendship. The word that's used in the New Testament to refer to this is koinonia, and it's it's fellowship. And it was used in the marriage relationship, and it's a depth of relationship that cuts across all age, ethnicity, background, culture, personality types. It's this level of connection that's so amazing, because it's different than just being a Facebook friend. I'm Facebook friends with people that I probably don't even really know anymore how we became Facebook friends in the first place. But there's something, a level of friendship that I've experienced in church that I've never experienced outside of church. We need one another. We need our friends. And someone said this, there are two things you can't do alone. You can't get married alone, and you can't be a Christian alone. And Pope Francis said this, being a Christian means belonging to the church. The writer of Hebrews says, let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. In other words, he says, some people just give up, perhaps for a specific series, they come out, it's interesting, it's engaging, but then it's like, eh, I don't need this any longer. But the writer of Hebrews is saying, no, 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 don't, don't do that. Don't give up meeting together. Encourage one another because your faith will never survive on its own. It will dwindle. So there's a story that I've heard about a young person who had this vibrant faith at one time. And he felt he was losing it. So he went to an older man to ask how he could rekindle this. So he met the guy in his cottage out in the country and they sat by the fireplace. And as they were sitting there, the young guy asked for advice from the older man. The older man didn't say anything. He just picked up tongs and went over and picked up a red-hot ember. Because our our faith, it's supposed to be vibrant. It's supposed to be red-hot. He took out the coal and he put it on the floor in front of the fireplace. Very soon, the glow had gone. And then without saying anything again, he picked it up with the tongs, put it back in the fire, and in a few minutes, it was glowing again, red-hot. And the young guy understood perfectly why he had lost his enthusiasm, because we need one another. We need one another to encourage each other. That's what we do, and, and I'm, I'm sure that you guys have found that over time, not even just in church, but in friendship. And, but then you come together, and you spur one another on toward Jesus. The second reason I love the church is that it's family. 
The church is not an organization that you join. It's a family where you belong. 1 John 5 says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. So you can't really say that you love God, but you don't love his children. Because that's the church. And you hear that a lot nowadays, that, yeah, I have a relationship with God, but church, that isn't for me. God is our father. That makes us brothers and sisters. And for some of you, you might be second-guessing now, like, oh, boy. But we're in this together. You don't get to pick and choose your family, right? Or else I would have picked a bit of a different brother, maybe. But no, I'm just kidding. I love him. (laughs) But God's intention was to bring the whole human race together as a family united around Christ. The way in which we become part of the family of God isn't by physical birth, it's by spiritual birth. Jesus talks about being born of water and the Spirit. Jesus was baptized and he commanded his disciples to baptize. So becoming a Christian involves three things. First, it's something God does. He he gives you the Holy Spirit. Secondly, it's something you do. You repent and you believe. And then thirdly, it's something the church does, and that's to baptize. Because baptism is a visible mark, an expression of what it means to be a member of the church. It's a sacrament. The water signifies a washing, a cleansing from sin, and it's this public statement that you're, you're dedicating your life to Christ. And I just remembered... That when I was in Bible college years ago, the prof telling us why he was so convicted that it had to be, um, I'm forgetting the actual term, but the believer's choice, like an adult baptism rather than infant. And the reason why is because of the story of a girl who wanted to be baptized because her family had been baptized and they were over in Russia. And if she made that public stand the KGB would have showed up at her door with a gun to her head, asking her if she wanted to recant. And he said, that's why it's so personal. It's a public declaration of who we're standing for, of what we're representing. We're dying with Christ and being raised with him into new life. Imagine you have a piece of paper. And imagine your your name was was written on this. And I was going to bring a Bible, and I forgot, so I will make a book out of my other (laughs) sheets. But imagine your name is on this piece of paper, and this book, Bible, is Jesus. And Paul explains that you're united with Christ in this mystical way. And all of us who are baptized into Christ, we're baptized into his death. We're completely enfolded. Everything that now happens to the book also happens to the piece of paper. So when Jesus died on the cross, you died. When Jesus was buried, you were buried. Your old life is gone. When Jesus rose from the dead, you rose with him to a completely new life. It's totally, totally, totally transformed my life. I became who he wanted me to be. He's helped me. The Holy Spirit doesn't change anything, and he changes everything. 
you can bring you know, the, the kingdom values that you believe in into your work. The Son of God would have died for you if you'd been the only person. This has been my best news, and I want the world to know about it. Jesus somehow picks me up. I have never known that kind of joy. I'm Emily Tata. Nilizaliwa 1989. Na nilipata pia kwa street. So alikuwa street family pia me kwa hiyo street nimepitia maneno mingi from 5 years to from 5 years nilikuwa naenda gate to gate nikiomba chakula. Pata chakula ilikuwa ni shida pata nguo ilikuwa ni shida so tulikuwa tunaenda kwa garbage tunatafuta chakula kwa garbage papers hizi garbage papers na nguo sometimes tuko tunapata zile watu wamedump labda ulipaka stain umetupakwa nini kwa hiyo karatasi tunarudi tunachukua tunaenda tunafua tunavaa we survive in different ways sometimes tunaenda gate to gate kuomba chakula na kuna time tulikuwa tunaenda kwa gate unaenda kuomba chakula unapata kama gateman lazima akutumie ndio akuruhusu kupita ndio wende upate chakula na sometimes unapatiwa chakula vizuri sometimes unapatiwi so ikuwa once sabuni ile time anataka ndio unafanya ile time anataka ndio unafanya so hapo ndio nilikuja kuwa pregnant nikiwa 13 years old mpaka nikafikisha 19 years hapo ndio nilikuja kupatana na watu wa alpha na nilipatana nao through feeding program so hapo ndio venye nilifanya alpha kwa sababu ndio nilikuja kupata the first people wenye walinionyesha true love nikakuwa nikaona he hao watu wako na upendo yenye sijai experience from the from the day I was baptized nikakuwa na hiyo passion ya kufundisha watu kuwaleta kwa Christ in churches, in schools, in with old women, with young mothers from the street, and also with small boys and also big boys. Uko kwa kiwanja. Through grace ya mungu, nilianza kufanya, nikaanza kufundisha wasijana wa street. So it, it has been a good thing. I love it. So I love the church because it's friends, I love the church because it's family, and I love the church because it's home. In the Old Testament, the physical temple was God's home, the place of his presence, and that's why people loved it so much. But then in the New Testament, it's not a physical building, it's a building made up of people. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, speaks about a holy temple. You too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And then Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. So as we gather together, Jesus promised that he would be there by his spirit. And sometimes I believe when people walk into church, they sense an, a, a difference in the atmosphere. And I believe they're sensing the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the presence of God, it's like coming home. Church is home.
when I step into church, I immediately I feel I feel much better. I feel like a great weight has been lifted off my shoulders. Well, I used to go to church, but I just I'm not into that. I don't I don't know. I don't like it. It's not for me. I don't like to go when there's a congregation, but I'll just go. If it's an open time, I'll go and I'll spend time by myself. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've got mixed feelings about it, really. When I go to church, I go for the message, man. It's just family, another part of family. <laughs> it's always good to have something new, fresh for the week, you know? I would love everyone to feel that when they walk into church, they're at home. When we meet together, worship, listen to God's word, receive communion, pray for one another. You see, we, we go out during the week and we go to work, but then on a Sunday morning or for us on a Saturday, you come home to be restored, refreshed, recharged, re-energized. The church should be a place where people aren't judged, but they're loved, they're accepted and welcomed home. And this is what the early church did. They came together for those things. It was like coming home and they came together and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is the equivalent of us expounding the Bible, to the fellowship, to the friendship that's encouraging. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, communion, and to prayer, to praying for one another. The church is designed to be a place where people come home. And the fourth reason that I love the church is because the church is Jesus. It's his body. Paul says, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Jesus is the head, the church is his body. The two are inseparable. So this is how the world will see Jesus today, through us. That's why I love in that song that we're singing too about build your kingdom here, and that, that we're the hope as the church, we're the hope to the world, we're his body. The church is Jesus' idea. He never wrote a book he formed a community. He started with a small group, and that small group has grown and grown over 2,000 years. The universal church consists of all those around the world and all the way back through time who put their trust in Jesus, and it is vast. There are over 2,400 million Christians in the world today. Tens of thousands of new Christians every single day. The church in Western Europe has been in decline, but that's not representative of what's happening globally. In Africa, in 1900, there were 10 million Christians. By the year 2000, there were 360 million Christians. That's 3,600% 3, growth. In China, in 1940, there were 4 million Christians. Now experts estimate there are over 100 million. Today, increasingly, it's the faith of young people. China may soon become the largest Christian country in the world, in the USA. 92% profess to believe in God. There are 250 million professing Christians. We were in Brazil recently with a Catholic cardinal who invited us to his church on Sunday. There were 45,000 people at the service and 10 million people watching on TV. In Rio, World Youth Day, led by Pope Francis, three million young people gathering to worship Jesus. It's a huge privilege to live in a part of the world where you have the freedom to worship without being arrested, imprisoned, or even executed. The church includes parts that are persecuted. More people have died for their faith in Jesus in the last hundred years than in all the other centuries combined. Yet the church in these places remains incredibly vibrant. We're the body of Christ, and we don't want to be divided. But tragically, we all know that 
we've been divided so much over the years. But the exciting thing is I truly believe that the Holy Spirit is up to something new today. And unity is vital. John 17, Jesus prays that we may be one in order that the world will believe. I love this line that Nikki Gumbel says. He says, a divided world needs a united church. And man, that just hits home to me. We live in such a divided time. A divided world needs a united church. We're supposed to set an example of unity. And unity is powerful and it's beautiful. And I'm excited to see that it's actually happening and taking place. And even just over denominational barriers, people are beginning to work together on what unites us, which is Jesus. Because what unites us as Christians is infinitely greater than what divides us. Jesus is bringing Christians together of all different churches. People are recognizing that we actually need one another, that the church is multifaceted, but it needs to be united. So unity doesn't mean uniformity. And of course, there's lots of different parts and variety is great. We can learn from each other. But I just remember growing up as a kid, I used to think that I had to save the other kids in the youth group down the road because we had the corner on the market. We, we got Jesus right, which reminds me of this funny cartoon that uh, churches and Christian movements throughout history starts at the beginning and branches out. So this is where our movement came along and finally got the Bible right. Jesus is so lucky to have us. That's how I grew up, and I think that's not a, a far-off stretch about how sometimes we view other churches. When we see them doing things different, sometimes it's, it's easy to think, oh, okay, they must be wrong, but now I think, huh, they're doing things different. What can I learn from them? Because we're part of the body of Christ. So I've come to love different parts of the church, the Catholic church, the Orthodox church, the Pentecostal church, the Salvation Army, and I know I need to stop there because I'm going to forget many more, but I love them all, and I've been so enriched by the church, and in Jesus, we are one body. Paul says, consider others better than yourselves. In the church united, Everyone has a part to play. Everyone praying, everyone giving, everyone serving. And did you know that the church is the biggest volunteer organization in the world? Feeding the hungry, visiting the sick, serving people in prison, caring for ex-offenders, fighting injustice, fighting human trafficking, doing all of these things and more. The church is Jesus. It's his body to the world. The fifth reason that I love the church is because the church is all about love. Church is a kind of love affair. It's a love affair between you and Jesus, between Christ and the church. And in fact, I asked if I could share this story, and she gave me permission. But Jacqueline was telling me a year ago at the Good Friday Easter egg hunt that when Dave first encountered Christ and began dragging them all to church, and starting to connect with guys from the church and reading his Bible. and The only way she could describe it was that Dave was having a love affair with Jesus, and she felt like she was the, the person being left out. And I asked if I could share that because I, it shows this love that, that is part of the church, this 
it is this, this love affair as we begin discovering how much love Jesus has for us, and then we fall deeper and deeper in love with him. It, you, you just start giving your life to it, and, and, and it, it just comes out of you naturally. And, and what's amazing is then Dave then brought his family through uh, some kicking and screaming on days um, out to church, and they too encountered Jesus. And now we have uh, Michaela was our first kids' church uh, worker, and now Megan's back there, and I know Lauren's helped back there, and they're part of the, our church. And, and it's amazing what the love of Jesus can do to transform lives, transform families and relationships. Ephesians 5, 25 and 32, Paul puts it like this. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then he goes on to talk about marriage. But what he says is, this is a profound mystery. I'm talking about Christ and the church. In other words, marriage is almost like an analogy for the relationship between us and Jesus. He says, look, marriage itself is not the, the be-all and end-all. Jesus himself never married. But marriage points us to something that's even more amazing and profound. It points to this relationship between you and Jesus, between Christ and the church. And the reason I think marriage is a great analogy is because if you have marriage but no love, it's just dead and dry. Or the flip side, if you have love without marriage, it's unstable and uncertain. But if you bring together the love that two people have for each other and the institution of marriage, it's so powerful. And it's the same with the church. If you just have the institution of the church, it can be a bit dry. If you just have the love and fire of the Holy Spirit and the faith, it can be a bit unstable. But you bring together the love, the fire, the enthusiasm, and the institution of the church, and it's so strong, and it's so powerful. And another reason marriage is a great analogy is because marriage is long-term. Our decision to follow Jesus, that, that's the, the wedding, that's the honeymoon period. But it's not the whole relationship. And what matters is the long term, the marriage. Where are you going to be in your relationship with Jesus long term? The reason behind everything we do here at the well is to make Jesus known so that lives and communities are transformed. To make known that Jesus loves you. He gave himself up for you. If you'd been the only person in the world, Jesus would have died for you. He loves you unconditionally, wholeheartedly, and continually. So my dream for this little local church is that we would be known for our love, a love that's radical, inclusive, unconditional, of people of different backgrounds, ages, ethnicities, lifestyles, perspectives, because the church is not a museum that displays perfect people. It's more like a hospital that welcomes the broken, the hurting, the wounded, and helps them find healing in and through Jesus. It's this unconditional love that breaks down barriers, that puts people back on their feet and restores and heals. So I have to share the story of Eddie. Eddie's a guy who dropped out of school at the age of 16, had no qualifications. He ended up homeless, became an alcoholic, began injecting himself with heroin. And he injected himself so much that he had no veins left to inject. So he started injecting himself in his groin. He got deep vein cirrhosis. 
He had cirrhosis of the liver. His lungs were failing, and he came very, very, very close to death. This is how Eddie looked when he was close to death. He heard about and came to an Alpha course. He went on the Alpha weekend, and someone prayed for him to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It was then that Eddie encountered Jesus, and Jesus set him free. Free from his alcohol addiction, free from his heroin addiction, and he became a changed man. This is what Eddie looks like now. Totally transformed by Jesus Christ. He's part of the church. He's an amazing guy. He's a full-time volunteer serving Jesus in the church. Free from drugs, free from his addictions, loving and serving Jesus. And to me, that's a picture of what church is all about. And I know that many of us sitting around the table might not have as intense stories as Eddie, but we all have our own stories, our journey of coming to Christ. That's the picture of Jesus being made known so that lives and communities are transformed. There's so much hurt in our community alone through broken marriages, broken homes, abuse, all happening behind closed doors. Being a Christian means belonging to the church. You don't go to church. You are the church. You are friends of Jesus. Eddie had no friends. Now he has so many friends. You are God's family. Eddie had no family He now has this amazing family who love him, brothers and sisters in Christ. We're actually part of Eddie's family. Church is home. Eddie had no home. He had nowhere to live. Now he he has an actual physical home that he's living in, but he also has a home in the church. The church is Jesus. Eddie's out on Skid Row telling other people about Jesus. That's what he does. His heart is filled with love for Jesus. He represents Jesus wherever he goes. And church is love. We're the bride of Christ. And Eddie has experienced this amazing love of Jesus. And that's what it's all about, that you are loved. You are loved by God. And if you take nothing else away from this entire Alpha series, know that God loves you, that Jesus died for you, that you're a child of God, that you have the Holy Spirit living within you. You have the most powerful message in the world. And it's a message that can change lives, transform communities. You can make a difference. Mother Teresa said this, you can do what I cannot do. I can do what you cannot do. But together, we can do great things. In Jesus' name, amen.